All right, let's pray and we'll get into it. Father, we thank you for this time together, God. We thank you that we can uh, hear from you. We can get into your word and, and see what you have to um, tell us what you're directing us to do, God. And we just ask for um, your wisdom to be imparted into us as we, as we spend this time together, God. And we just thank you for um, everything that you do for us. And we just we bless you, God, in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So I just wanted to, uh, I'm going to read this to you before we start anything. Um, And it's Matthew 16, or excuse me, Matthew, sorry, that's a different one. John 16, 33. It says, And everything I've taught you, so in that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For in this unbelieving world you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world. Most of you know it as, I have told you these things that you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world. It's a really long, drawn-out version of that scripture. But I love what it says. It says, have great confidence. It doesn't say, well, God's going to get us out of here eventually. No, he, he's like, say, have confidence in me. Um, you ever gone and done something and haven't quite know how to do it, and you're just kind of like... You don't really want to dive into it because you're not confident you can take care of it. It's like, pick the worst thing you're, you can, pick the thing that you're worst at and say, okay, now I've got to go and do this and figure out how to do it. And we don't lack, we lack confidence a lot of times in those things. So it's like, okay, what is, what is one thing that you hate doing and say, okay, now I've got to, and I don't, I'm not very good at, but then I have to do. And God is saying, whatever you're, fear is, whatever your worry is, whatever is the hardest for you, don't worry about it. Don't be upset about it. Have great confidence in me because I have overcome the world. So confidence, it it really does come from, it doesn't come from knowing how to do it. It comes from knowing who knows how to do it. Think about it. You don't have confidence that something's going to get taken care of in your house if you, you don't know how, if you don't know how to do it. What do you do? If you don't know how to do it, you call someone who can do it. Am I right? Like, the Elvises and us have this one friend and slash country neighbor who lives like eight miles away. But we know if we can't figure it out, this guy can figure it out. He can figure out anything. So when John and I have issues, not between each other, but we have issues... We call this one guy, and it's like he can come over. He's like, just push that button. You're like, (laughs) or he could figure out anything. So when you have confidence in in God, it's not that you can trust in what you're doing. It's you're trusting in what He can do for you. And and so many times we we rely on our own self to try to to work through things when we should have confidence and rely on the person who knows how to do it to give us to work us through that. So. Family is odd. I'm just saying, if you don't think it is, then you're probably not in the right place this morning. But family is odd. No, they are. Family relationships are are, are weird. They're odd. There's always that awkwardness in, in some relationships. And there's always going to be tension because we're not in heaven. If, we, if there was no tension and everybody got along perfectly and we didn't snap at each other and we didn't have those hangry moments and everybody throwing a Snickers at you or, or whatever, we'd be in heaven. But we, we have those moments where family is going to be weird. It's going to be odd. It's going to be, and if it's not weird, you're probably the weird one. 
Just, I'm just saying. If you don't have a weird family member, just saying. Yeah. But what's happened today is this, is we have our, our families are not only, um, there's more strife in the world, there's more um, divorce, there's more separation, there's more, there's more of, so family is, is coming under attack. It's, uh, it's under attack, yes. and it's not just an external force, it's internal. Mm-hmm. We have not, um, in the church, uh, as a whole, pushed to stable up and support families. Yeah. And, and it's, it's, it's the whole world, the whole entire church. We haven't done enough to support and stable up and, for, and help take care of families. And yes, the, the attack is coming from the outside, but the reinforcements are not coming from the inside. And, and what's happening is, is we're seeing high, higher divorce rates ever than we are in, in church people. We're starting to see more and more kids walk away from God the moment they step out of high school. And there's reasons for that, but we don't need to pay attention to those reasons right now. We need to pay attention to what's happening inside our body inside our church, inside of our families, and say, how do we stable up? How do we secure what we have? And this sounds like we're just all going to stay in this little group and never go out. No, it's not that way. We're not going to do that. But we need to protect our families. There's a lot thrown at our, our families these days. There's a lot thrown at our kids, especially. And as parents, we have to be shields for our kids. Um, I was going to buy a shield, but... They're like 400 bucks. I'm like, I still might buy one. Yeah. There's a little kid shield, but I want a real shield. I want like a full-on six-foot riot shield, you know. Um, yeah. So if anybody has a six-foot riot, sh- riot shield and wants to let me borrow it, that'd be fine. Because um, I can't afford one. They're really expensive. Um, but we need to shield our kids. And I, what I mean by this is shielding our kids is we need to protect them, but not censor them. So what happens when Christians get censored? We throw a fit. We do. You know, Christians get censored on, the, like radio stations get taken off and, and people get censored for their beliefs. We throw a fit. We'll petition. We, we got like a million moms writing in on stuff. I mean, we, we, we don't just say, oh, well, no, I'm going to do it. I'm just going to let it go and I'm, I'm not going to be, I'm going to let them censor me. We need to shield our kids. What means we are the front line of what comes into our family. We need to shield our families, our wives, our, you know, whatever. As husbands, we shield our wives, our kids, and let the, take the animals, take the animals. I'm going to keep my family. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but I, we have to shield our family. I shield my wife, I shield my kids, but I don't censor them. Censoring means that you, you take them away from and you um, don't allow them to see what's going on. If I said to my family, I'm going to protect you and I'm not, and I'm going to shield you, and I'm not going to let you know what's going on, how are they going to know how to, to be go out into the world? I've got daughters that scare me sometimes because they're so bold. I'm like, I'm just not going to say anything to that. <laughs> they make me, they'll make me cry. Um, but I, I don't want my kids to be censored because when my kids are censored, they, they, they don't become powerful. They need to understand what is going on and say, hey, this is what's going on. And we relate that biblically to them and say, hey, this is how the world is working and this is what's going on in the world. Yes. That's good. So 
We need to filter what our kids see, hear, but not isolate them. What happens is if we isolate them from anything that's questionable, they're like John Travolta and the boy in the plastic bubble. You ever seen that old movie? A kid walking around in a bubble, they never let him out. And if, if our kids are in a bubble, the moment they step out of the house, there's one person that goes like this, and they're like, <laughs> pop. And then they don't know what to do. Uh, one of the little ones is running around. He's like, pop the balloon. I'm like, you want me to pop the balloon? He's like, no. I'm like, well, you wanted me to, you said pop the balloon. I thought you wanted me to pop the balloon. But what happens is, is if I popped that balloon, he would have been crushed. And what happens is, is this, is when we isolate and we censor our children, we take all of the weight and we put it on ourselves. And what happens is, is then when they go out and they're la 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 in their little plastic bubble, all the weight comes back on top of them and it pops and crushes that bubble. So what, as, as parents, what do we do? We take the weight on ourselves and it filters off of, and it comes off of us. But what they do is they see what is going on. You know, we've had awkward conversations with our kids about things that they've seen in public and things that they've seen in family. It's just, it's been more about family than it has been in public. But we, we've taught them how to deal with the things that are, are trying to attack. We need to have conversations about those things with our kids that they see in public, that they see that are questionable. If your kids never question anything that they see, they need to come out of the bomb shelter. You know, our kids see swearing all the time. Not, not by us, no, it's not, it's not us. Um, but they see swearing all the time. No. But when they leave our house, they step out of a, a, a zone that is protected that is safe, and they go out into the real world. You know, I, I asked Layla every night when she gets home from work. She works at Subway. I said, how was work today? Did you have any crazies? And almost every other night, she's like, I had a crazy in this lady. And if she wasn't prepared for that, she wouldn't be able to work the job. So what happens is, is when our kids step out and hear swearing, they know, oh, that's just... A, a way of expressing yourself when you don't have a lot of intelligence on how to express yourself. So we try, if I tried to shelter my kids from swearing all the time, I wouldn't be able to take them out anywhere. They couldn't watch TV. They couldn't listen to the radio. They, they would have like 1970s Southern Gospel records playing all, all 24 hours a day because they couldn't hear anything. But my kids go out and they hear that stuff. They hear their, their, their classmates and their coworkers dropping the F-bomb. And, but they have to be prepared for that. Yes. I know this one kid, in, in, it's been 10 years since I've seen him. He's like, oh, I can't just work there. They swear. Well, <laughs> no, duh. Yeah, people swear. Christians swear every once in a while. What? Okay. But... We have to prepare our kids to be able to go out into that. Because not everything is, is, is you know, peanut butter and jelly sandwiches and roses. It's not going to be that way. And what happens is, is as parents, sometimes we get afraid. 
But Jesus says, I have overcome the world. So if he is living in us and he's living in our kids, what, what is in us? Power to overcome. And so when my kids step outside, your kids step outside, they should be powerful enough to be able to deal with the things that happen to them in life. You know, like Sarah will say to some kids, I can't protect you from everything. Your kids are going to have to stand on their own feet and they're going to have to learn how to deal with things on, on their own. If my kids never heard any of that things, I would never be able to even run a PG movie. I wouldn't be able to do anything. We cannot keep them from see- seeing and hearing things when they step out of the home. And so our job is to shore up that foundation to, to make sure that foundation is strong when they walk out of the house. We have more teenagers and young adults leaving the, the faith in church when they go into, when they get out of high school because they're not under their parents' house anymore. Well, I don't have to go to church anymore. It, it's not that they have to go to church anymore. It's that they should have a desire to go to church anymore and that, that has never been created in them. So when they step out of the house, there's no desire to go to church anymore because they have a million other things when they get into college or whatever that is, is bombarding them with, come do this, believe this way, talk this way, come to this thing, come to that. And if we don't set them off on a good foundation, by the time they get out of our house, the, cr- the foundation will basically be crumbling. So we have to engage them in conversations. We have to engage, and it, it can be five years old, it can be 15 years old, but we have to start to engage those conversations about spirituality and about what has happening in our, our culture and our society. If you turn on the news, everything's burning. But if you don't explain why that is happening and explain that not everything is what it says it is, they will start to believe lies. So when they step out of your house and they step out from underneath your protection, they start to get pressed down and they start to get crushed. Um, And what happens is they, they start to, they lose that, if they don't have their own filter, they will start to believe lies. And what happens is they start to walk away from what has been taught to them. So our job is to engage them. Our job is to help them grow Give in the word of God, but also in their relationship with God. Those are two separate things. Growing in the word of God and growing in God are two separate things. They don't happen without each other. You need to grow in the word of God to grow in God. If you don't start to see what he's saying, you won't start to grow in your relationship so you can hear what he's saying. You need to see what he said so you can hear what he says. And what happens is is when when we don't have that sure foundation, when we don't have a solid ground to stand on, we start, that filter's gone, that bubble's gone, and and the weight of um, everything around us starts to crush. You watch 19 to 25-year-olds these days, and you'll see them crying in the streets after an election. Or you'll start to see them crying in the streets over things. And it's like, you were bubble wrapped as a child and packed away in like down and 
you know, put away where you never had anything. So the moment you stepped outside, everything was crushing you. Everything was, was overpowering to you. Our kids need to be able to stand and stand firm. And, and if, unless we start to, to shore up that foundation, they're going to walk on sand. Our job is to help them grow in the Word of God and in their relationship with Him. So they have a filter. So they can run everything by the Word of God and through God and say, okay, God, what do you say about that? We do that as adults. Why can't our kids do that? We're supposed to take every thought captive. Why can't our kids take every thought captive? Like, why do we not give them enough credit to be able to do that? Like, we have to take it captive for you, filter it through, and then we, you know, add some a little bit of sugar in it, and then we can give it to you. No, they should be able to see what's going on, be able to filter it, and then say, okay, this is what God says about it. Yes, they're growing in, in their faith, but they have us to bounce that off of. Yes. My kids will come home, and they'll be like, hey, I was reading this, or I saw this, and, and they're like, what about this? And we'll have a conversation about that. If we try to keep our kids from hearing or seeing anything, You'll become exhausted, I'm just saying. You know, I, I remember my dad, I was 10 years old before he saw a movie in the theaters. His first movie in the theaters was Field of Dreams. Because when he was a kid, you didn't play cards, you didn't dance, you didn't go to the movies, you didn't watch TV, and you went to three services on Sunday. That alone is exhausting. But he was raised in religion, so religion said you don't do this. And we're, we're not even talking like, we're not talking about playing poker. We're talking about you don't even play solitaire because it's, it's, it's the devil's cards and it's, you know, whatever. I don't know. Grandparents are crazy. Um, yeah. It true, is a true statement. Um, but if we try to filter everything that was bad, it won't work. I remember my dad, I, I love my dad, but he tried to filter us. He would take movies and, and two VHS and try to dub over things and, and remove things and cut them in, out of the VHS on PG movies. And like, you know, you, he actually edited a movie, Home Alone, and then put Ernest Goes to Camp words over top of it to make it sound funny so we wouldn't hear swear words. The two swear words in the, in the entire movie. And I'm like, I mean, God bless him for it. I mean, I love dad, but I'm thinking to myself, I, if I didn't hear those, yeah. I would, even if I did hear them, I wouldn't have gone and said them. Yeah. But if we, I'm not saying let your kid watch a movie that's just cussing every, every five seconds, but at the same time, I was, I was so filtered that when I got out of school and when I got out of home and I got out from underneath their protection, I didn't know what was what. Because it's like, oh, well, we're just going to wrap you in a bubble, we're going to pack you away, and, and then you can bounce around the house, and please stay here until you're 40. <laughs> no, I'm no, my kids are leaving. You're leaving next year. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so we need to train them what it, how to be able to understand what is godly and what is ungodly. What is good and what is not good. What is profitable and what is unprofitable. What does Paul say? He's like, well, I can do anything, but it may not be profitable for me. It may not be healthy for me. 
He's not saying abuse what you have. He's not saying make grace cheap and just keep uh, sinning and sinning and sinning. But he said, not everything is going to be beneficial for me, but it may not be harmful to me. We have too many kids that leave the house and they leave their parents' faith. Do you hear what I said? They leave their parents' faith. Because we have not shown them how to have their own faith. We've not shown them how to have a walk with God to where when they leave this house, they are powerful and able to stand on their own. Our faith is not going to save them. Our faith does not get them to heaven. Our faith does not, our salvation does not apply to them because we're, their, we're the parents. So train them what is godly and what is ungodly. Train them for things that are, show them what is beneficial and what is not beneficial. We have to know what is happening today in the world in order for us to take the gospel to the world. I, I remember hearing um, an old, old sermon, and the guy's like, I want to I be so heavenly minded, I'm no earthly good. And I'm like, like, there's songs about that that are completely opposite. And I'm just like, he's like, I want to be no earthly good. Well, if we are so focused on Jesus coming back, and that's all we're focused on, then what have we done with the time that he has given us? We're all given a certain amount of time, are we going to be beneficial with it or are we going to be detrimental with it? Are we going to look at it and say, yes, I understand. I'm not going to live in the world, but I'm going to live in the world. I'm not going to live by its system. I'm not going to live by its, its mindset, but I'm going to live in the world. We have to understand what's happening to take Jesus to them because Jesus applies to every situation. He applies to every mindset that is out there, every um, issue that comes in, Jesus can apply to that. I love Jesus because he's a blanket for everything. If it's anything that's contrary to him, he can blanket it. And, and I don't understand why we think that if, if, we, if we bring, if we're around something that his blood's not enough to cover it. His blood is enough to cover, if it's enough to cover our sin, it's enough to cover somebody else's sin and, and what our kids may see or hear. We can use Jesus to any cultural movement, any event, any situation, anything that comes into our lives. And the Word's always going to have an answer for it. The Word is always going to have an answer to anything you see on the news, anything you hear on the radio, or anything you see in public. We have too many people that are prepping for Jesus to come back instead of saying, how do we go out? Why why don't we, why are we so worried about, you know, just waiting for Jesus to come back instead of saying, okay, he's coming back for us. Well, that's an assurance. Why are, why is that our only thing? Why, why are we waiting for him just to come back? Our, our, our mindset should be, we're going towards him. We're working for him. The harvest is plentiful and the workers are few. Because all the rest of them are like, the harvest is coming, the harvest is coming, but they're not ready to do anything with it. 
we're supposed to prepare our kids to be harvesters. We're supposed to prepare our kids to be ministers of the gospel for them to be able to understand the word, present the word, and push the gospel of the kingdom. To present the kingdom of God in a way that is relevant. I mean, does anybody really want to raise their kid to be one of those kids on the side of the road with a sign that says, God hates this, 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 and this? No. Nobody, anybody in their right mind that actually is following what Jesus says and loves people like he loved them does not want that. But we need people who can see what is going on in the culture and say, this is what we're going to do. This is what we're going to do. And in Chronicles One of the 12 tribes, the sons of Issachar, said they understood what the times were and with knowledge of what Israel should do in those times. Think about this. The sons of Issachar knew what was going on. And here's the funny thing is, is most people don't talk about this. When this scripture is is happening, David is calling his mighty men. He's calling his mighty men and saying, I need to know what's going on. What are we going to do? How are we going to fight this? And the sons of Issachar say, hey, this is what we need to do, and this is, excuse me, what Israel needs to say or do. There's a uh, quote um, by a theologian, his name was Karl Barth, and he says, take your Bible out and your newspaper, but interpret the newspaper from your Bible. We need to look at our, what's happening on the newspaper. This is, a, this is a 70-year-old quote, but we need to look at the news and say, okay, what is happening how does this apply to us? The, we're, in a, we're in a time of revolution, of, of mindsets, and they may not always be the best. They may not be a biblical, godly-based mindset. But what's happening is the revolution is, is coming against our families. And instead of saying, okay, we're going to stand up to this and we're going to fight for our families— we're going to fight for the families around us. We're going to shore them up. Yes. What happens is this, is we'll, we'll pray for you. No, we need to spend time with families. We need to spend time with each other because what happens is, is we need the older women to teach the younger women, the older men to teach the younger men. I turned into the older man this year. <laughs> you know, I was like, I'm young. And then I was like, oh. 365 days later, I'm not. I'm like, what the heck happened? I'm like, I don't know. My wife calls me old man, so. Yeah, anyway. Yep, this is all from my, the women in my house right here. So. But we need to understand the times. We need to see what is happening. We don't, if we put our hand, head in the sands like an ostrich, the world is going to steamroll right over top of us. And when we put our heads in the sand, it goes after our family. We need to stand up and be bold and still be loving. What, I, what we're seeing these days is boldness without loving kindness. And we need boldness and loving kindness to defend what God has blessed us with. Defend our families, defend our faith, defend what the kingdom of God is doing. I heard a phrase one time, it says, we don't need to, uh, we don't have to worry about anything. All we have to do is open the cage to the lion. <laughs> All we have to do is open the doors with thanksgiving and praise. God does the rest of it. 
Well, we've got to quit fighting on our own strength. We fight with him. We don't, he fights for us. We fight with him. But everybody says, I'm fighting for God. No, he's fighting for us. You fight with him. Well, too many people try to take the lead and say, God, fight for me. And he's like, no, 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 no. I fight for you because I'm bigger. I'm stronger. I know more. I've been doing it for a little bit longer than you. You fight with me. So we need to understand the times we need to read, we need to watch, and especially we need to pray. You know, I don't know what my kids are going to be experiencing when they're my age. I don't know. I, I, I really don't. And I, I try to, and I, I, we keep as much politics out of church as possible because that's not a place for politics. It's a place for equipping people to do the right thing and know what the right thing is. But we need to pray. And I mean, I'm not talking like, oh, thank you, God, for this food and bless it to our bodies and, and you know, thanks for the good weather. No, I'm talking about fervently praying for our families. I still creep into my kids' rooms at night when they're sleeping and pray over them. The problem is, is their doors creak, and I'm still trying to figure out a good oil to keep them from creaking because it only lasts about 30 days. Because every now and then I'm like, and they're like, what do you want, Dad? I'm like, just go back to bed. I'm like, but I still pray with my kids or pray over my kids when they're sleeping. Lana says I'm like the, uh, I'm the uh, what is she said, the prayer creeper is what she <laughs> called me one day. Because I'll just go into her room and I'll sit at the edge of her bed and I'll just put my hand on her foot or whatever. And most of the time she's sleeping. Every now and then her dog will bark. But I'll just do that. And then every once in a while she'll wake up and she's like, you're so creepy, Dad. I'm like, yes, but you don't understand. I, this is not creepy. This is just me praying over my kids that they will have wisdom to see what is happening, that they will have eyes and ears, have wisdom like the sons of Iskar to know what is going to happen for their generation. Yeah. I know what my generation has done. I've watched my generation. They live at home with their mamas and they're 35 and 40 years old. That's disgusting. I'm sorry, but we have, we've, the church has to shore up the foundation because we're putting out weaklings. We're putting out people who don't really want to stand up. Well, you know, it's, it's your truth. Bullcrap. The truth is only in the word of God. If you don't, if you don't look at the word of God and you say, well, you know, that's just their truth. Well, truth is only one thing, and it's absolute, and it only comes from the Word of God. Amen. And the funny thing is the truth is an open-minded killer. Truth, if you think that it's the truth, well, I just want you to tell me the truth. No, most of the time you don't want me to tell you the truth. <laughs> I'm just saying. People at work, what do you think? I'm like, I'm not going to say anything. <laughs> no, I mean, it's true, because... You know, people are like, well, if the, most, the reason why this, the, the truth thing comes out is because most people won't speak their mind. Amen. Most people won't say, no, this is not right. Amen. We need to, to stand up. You know, it talks about that God tears down strongholds. Well, what are strongholds? They're, they're places of protection most of the time. We need to build up strongholds for our families and our faith and build up defensive walls to defend against them because what does it say? The shield of faith, what? Protects from the fiery darts of the enemy. So we need to have the shield of faith. We need to teach our kids faith. So when they walk out, they have something to protect them. The gospel will give them the truth. The shield will protect them from what they're hearing and what is thrown at them. 
the gospel will help them filter it. We need to see the times and be able to know what we need to do for our families. None of us have perfect families. Big surprise there, right? If you've got more than one person in your family, it's not perfect. Even with one. But think about this. If we don't start to instill values into our kids at a young age, what happens? The values don't, aren't there when they're old. Big surprise, huh? I don't understand that. People are like, well, you know, I took my kid to church. Well, you, taking them to church don't mean diddly squat because, you know, I slept under the pew for the first, like, five years of my life <laughs> because it was boring. And when you're, when you're done with the 56 stanza of how great thou art, you're, you know, you're nodding off. I, I mean, come on. If anybody's been in a church with a hymnal, you know at, at about the third song or about halfway through the sermon, your dad's like, <laughs> you know, and your mom nudges them. Think about it. It's true, right? Because what's happened is, is this. Is faith, we, if we take our faith and make it relevant to who we are as people and say, this is what life is. Life is not all roses and, and, and gumdrops and unicorns. Yeah, sorry, Mercy. But we teach them what is happening in the world, that life will bombard you with things. Sometimes life is a crap show, and I'm just saying. <laughs> I'm being honest with you. Sometimes you're just like, I just want to give up and quit now because things will come against you. But you have those moments of, I want to quit now, but you look back and say, you know, but you sustain me through this. So we teach our kids faith that God will sustain them even through, through, through the hard things that we don't have to be overcome because he has overcome. You have your moments of, of, of weakness and flesh, and you're just like, oh, this is, I just want to quit now. You know, the dishwasher breaks, the washer breaks, you know. And, you know, you, you, oh, the dishwasher broke, but then there's water all over the floor, so then the flooring's bad. And, you know, you're just like, I just want to quit because, you know, things get overwhelming. But that's part of life. Just to let all you teenagers and young people know, things will break down, cars will break, things in the house will break, you'll have turmoil in your marriage, but you can have peace most of the time because if you put God first. If you find someone who will follow God and will serve him, you will have a good marriage. But life will happen. You'll have junk cars for the first couple years of your life. You'll drive a hoopty for a while. You'll have houses that are like, how did we ever live in that? How did we ever live in that? And why did we bring a child into the world while we lived in that house? You will do that. But if, if you have a foundation of faith, you will know that God has more for you. God will bring you through it and God will prepare you to go through it. So we need to shore up the foundations that we have now. Parents, start to shore up that foundation in your kids. Because dragging them to church is nothing. They will be sleeping under the pews, figuratively speaking, if you just drag them to church. You have to bring the kingdom and have church in the house in order for them to come to church and want to be at church. If you don't have those conversations outside of church, they will not want to come into church and hear those. So when we shore up the foundation, what do we do? We pile on more and more. When you shore up a foundation, you either you backfill it or you frontfill it and you 
you have to fill up that foundation to be able to make sure that there's no fluctuation in it. Because the foundation, if the foundation is weak, what happens? The house breaks. And what's funny about the kingdom of God is this is an upside down kingdom. Instead of a pyramid scheme like most religions are, where, you know, you all start building up and then there's the one main dude on the top who's got, you know, he's like diamond in the, in the church. And, um, and he has all the power and he has all control. The kingdom of God is upside down. It's like an upside down pyramid. He is our foundation and he builds us up from there. He expands the kingdom of God. Think about this. Personal kingdoms, what do they do? They all all go to the top. I reach the top. I'm at the top. I'm at the pinnacle. But his kingdom says, I'm sending you out because his foundation is there. And when your kid's foundation is, is planted in that, your foundation, they will go out, not how do I build my personal kingdom? We have too many people in the church trying to build their personal kingdom instead of saying, I'm going to build the kingdom of God and I'm going to build my family in the kingdom of God. Understand the times, read, watch, and pray. Have those awkward conversations, and you've, I've had a few. It does, it's not always fun to have those weird conversations with your kid about stuff that you, you're not super comfortable about talking with, but you have to have those. It just happens. Let's pray.